Hello, sweet friends, and welcome back to the Rooted Working Mom Show. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I share with you a conversation between me and a special guest, Beatrice Vargas. We talk about how not to let our marriage take the backseat to our kids. Beatrice is a working mom and founder of the Grace Field Wife, and she helps wives transform their marriage. And at the end or throughout our conversation, she gives us three practical steps to having a rooted marriage in Christ. This conversation is broken up into a two-part series because we cover so much goodness. Ready for a real girl talk that will bless your marriage? I am so here for this. Hey, sweet mama, welcome to the Rooted Working Mom podcast. If you've been in a space of overwhelm, exhaustion, struggle, and feeling like you're just not enough, maybe you feel the tug to step into your authority as a present mom and wife while still pursuing your career, but you're just unsure how to integrate everything with more peace and intention while staying partnered with God, and you're truly ready to figure out who God is calling you to be in your life then this podcast is for you. Hi, I'm Cynthia, Executive Director, both at work and at home, (laughs) entrepreneur, busy mom of two, wife and daughter of the king. This podcast is going to help you find true freedom while resting in Jesus, rising into your authority and raising kingdom builders. Amen. Here in this space, You'll be encouraged, empowered, and partnered with Jesus to get breakthrough in your faith, motherhood, wellness, and mindset so that you can have victory as a mama who is resting and living light with joy and fulfillment. You were born for such a time as this. wait to get started because I have a special guest to share with you today, Beatrice Vargas. She is a host and creator of the Gracefield Wife podcast, where she helps women partner with God to transform their marriages, even if their husbands aren't showing up. Beatrice is a certified Christian life coach. She's a wife and a working mama, just like us. And she lives with her family in New York City. I asked her to come on today and have a conversation with us about how not to let our marriage take the backseat to our kids. And at the end here, she's going to give us three tactical steps on how to have a rooted marriage. Beatrice, so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. I have been listening to your show and I'm excited for the content that you are bringing us working moms out there. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, if you'd like, maybe just start with your story and how you've come to create the Gracefield Wife podcast and anything that you'd like to share with our listeners today. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'll uh, I'll give you the quick Cliff Notes version of the story. So in the interest of time, but essentially what happened was nine years ago or so, my husband walked out on me. I knew he was leaving. We were in a really dark place in our marriage and he was pretty much done with it at that point. And we separated. I went on a business trip and I came home essentially to an empty apartment. And at the time, God told me, you will be back together by, that was in January 
that when that happened and God had told me, you'll be back together by September. So it was like nine months. And I was like, okay. And I remember telling my mom and she was like, oh, honey, like don't get your hopes up kind of thing. And I was like, I'm just telling you what God told me. And in the meantime, or during that whole time, God really was close to me or, or rather, cause I feel like God never goes away, right? We're the ones who go away. And so I made it a point to be closer to him. And I had developed such a relationship with him at the time. And at one point, he even told me, you're going to have a new man, but the same man, because I was, of course, fantasizing about like, okay, well, then, you know, I'm a believer, he's not his word says that I'm free to go and blah, blah. And um, God really reprimanded me in that in that area and was like, No, I'm going to bring you a new man, but the same man. And the, the the course of that nine months, and even from before, God had really just done a transformation in my own heart and my own life where at times I did, but I didn't always, when I was being obedient, treat my husband the way I felt he deserved at that time. Because in my mind, I wanted to curse him out and maybe hit him with something or throw something at him or whatever. And I was like really, really just hating him at the moment. And I felt like he deserved it because he was walking out on me and our daughter and uh, God just filled me with his peace and his grace. And I was able to kind of just give that back out to my husband. And God also showed me in those moments, all the places where I wasn't being the best wife that I could be. And he showed me all the places where I could make changes in our marriage that would make a difference. And sure enough, true to his word, as God always is, by that September, we were back together. And the crazy thing is that my husband was not a believer, but a few weeks before then, and, and at some point in August, God had spoke to my husband. This is his own words that God has spoke to him and was like, you better go get your family back. And my husband was like, whoa, somebody who's not a believer and God tells him you better go get your family back. And he was just like, uh, okay. And he went and got his family back and he, you know, basically courted me for a few weeks. And that was, that was all that. And it was even then a lot of struggle because even getting back together, I felt angry and resentful and hurt because he walked out. Right. And I felt like he deserved all this stuff. I was holding it over his head. And it wasn't until the point a few months into us moving back in together that I couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, God, I'm done. Like, take it. And I surrender it. And I surrendered all of it, all the anger, all the hurt. And I was actually able to really forgive my husband at that moment and just let it go because my husband was there. Like, I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be here for you. And I'm I'm trying to repent essentially and you're just angry and it was that that surrender that really made all the difference and a year later my husband gave his life to the Lord and years later here we are happily married and I say on my show all the time our marriage is not perfect and we fight all the time right but I have grown so much to know how I should speak to him and not, you know, and there's so much about me and what I've learned to change. And in that so much about him that he has changed because I finally learned to approach him the right way. Uh, I finally learned how to give up the things that I can't change and understand that you can't change your husband. You may want to, but you can't. And it's made such a tremendous difference in our marriage. And now it's really helping other women because at the time there was no resources for me, no resources for 
a Christian woman, what was out there were books written by men telling me that I should respect my husband anyway, even though, you know, and that's like, that's what the Christian doctrine says. And it's like, I believe God's word, but I wanted to hear something from another woman who had been through it, who like could understand. And there was nothing out there that I could find. I mean, till this day, you know, I found a couple of things that may somewhat be similar, you know, that are done by women, but nothing that's quite the same. And so I felt like, okay, this was God leading me to share my story. And uh, before we hit record, I was explaining to you how God has spoke a word to me saying, you will impact thousands with your story. And I realized later that this was at least one of the stories that he wanted me to share so that other women could find hope in that, so that other women could learn that, you know, there is hope for their marriage. Essentially, what it was is my husband was a good man. He wasn't a believer, but he was a good man. And he wasn't, you know, it was just, we're flawed people, right? We're human. And he made mistakes and I made mistakes. And it was just knowing that he was a good man and he just needed, we needed one of us to start changing our behavior. And by me changing our behavior, really kind of starting that cycle and putting us in a, in a better place, it really just transformed the whole dynamic of my marriage. And so that's what I teach women is that you can do that too. And like, I can't guarantee results, right? I mean, for me, my husband walked out on me. It was God's will that he come back, right? God's the one who spoke to him and said, go get your family back. But so in that way, I can't guarantee results, but the, but even if that hadn't happened, the lesson that I learned, like the transformation that I received from getting close to God and being like, okay, this is the kind of wife that I need to be. This is what a marriage should look like. Um, and again, like I said, we don't we don't do it perfectly, but I try, I try, and I feel like I've come a long way and I can help women in that who are back where I was. So that's kind of my quick story. Um, and that's why I do what I do, why I've created this business, this ministry, and why it's so important to me. Absolutely. It's such important work because we were chatting earlier. This is an intimate topic. Like you said, we don't have moms run into the table to say, yeah, my marriage is a hot mess. Can you please help me with it? Right. It's something that we often try to ignore, maybe cover up, maybe are embarrassed about. And it's not something that we're just so excited to talk to the world about. And so, but it's such an important part to allowing us to have faith-filled homes, finding rest while you're mothering, and also raising your kids to really have a relationship with Jesus as well. And so, you know, one thing I want to take us back to that you said that I feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging me on is that number one, you surrendered it all to Jesus, but then maybe the hardest, I don't know for you, but maybe the most powerful, impactful thing is that you forgave him. Could you maybe talk a little bit about what that forgiveness felt like, what it looked like, and and the impact of your surrendering and your forgiveness of your husband? I think for me, it was understanding that I wasn't gaining anything by holding on to unforgiveness. It was, if anything, it was hurting me. It was just a weight on my soul, really of this anger, you know, and I was holding on to so much anger and resentment at the time. And it was heavy and I couldn't find joy in my marriage because I was angry at a, the fact that he left, but B everything else. Like our marriage was in the toilet before he left. So, you know, and it was not any better after we got back together and it was just, I couldn't see him as my best friend anymore. I could, I almost forgot. I forgot for a moment 
why I married him and and why I fell in love with him because I was angry and hurt and resentful. And I didn't even know it was that I had to forgive him because I felt like, oh, I forgive him, right? Like I think mentally I forgave him, but it was just, there was still a block there in my heart. And that's what I gave up to God that there's a, there's still this thing here that I can't, I don't know what it is, and I can't get rid of it. And I knew it was beyond my own strength to do so. And so I was just like, all right, I got you ticket. I mean, I was, I'm so candid with him. And sometimes I like worry. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never tell anybody to speak to God the way I'm like, you, you wanted to bring him back in my life. You said we were supposed to be back together. Like, well, you take it then. Cause I, my marriage is terrible. I, I don't know why. Why am I here? And I have these conversations, and then I, and then I read the Bible, and I, and I like read about when the Israelites would complain to God, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. Let me, let me be better, or, or be more respectful. But like, that's how I was feeling, and I think essentially it was just my very true and and raw feelings of take it. I don't. I don't know what to do with this hurt and this anger and this resentment. And I know it's not from you. So please take it. And that was before I even knew that um, you should have him take it and replace it with something else. Because now when I feel that, I know better. And I actually ask God, take these feelings away from me and please replace them with the fruits of your spirit. Replace these feelings with something that is from you because I know that these emotions and these thoughts I'm having right now are not from you because emotions are from God negative you know God gets angry God gets jealous says it in his word he feels all those things we are made in his image and it's just what we do with it you know and so if we ask him to take it and and replace it with the fruits of his spirit he's happy to do so because if not right his word says the seven other spirits will come in and so you you want him to replace it with something good but i think that was a a big thing is just saying please just take it because i had got grown close to him all of a sudden and, and i knew what his peace felt like all of a sudden i felt like this doesn't belong here. You know, it was like normal before it was like I was living with this anger and this resentment. And all of a sudden, I knew what what it was like to have God's peace in the midst of my trauma. And I here I am back within with the thing I wanted was which was to be back with my husband still feeling un, unrest. And it was like, no, I just, I wanted God's peace back. And I knew that that those were the feelings that didn't belong. So it's like, God, take them away. That is so, so good. I love that you brought up the idea that you've learned to ask God to replace the hurt and the pain and the suffering with his goodness. I feel like that is such an important piece to the forgiveness and the healing process and to really have meaningful relationships with people and with your family and with your kids and really being in a place of peace and operating out of a place of love. Thanks for sharing your story with us. It's a very vulnerable place to be. I'm so thankful for your ministry and what you're doing to help moms have a thriving marriage and family. Now that you've been through it and you're kind of on the other side, if you will, what are ways that women can not allow our marriage to take the back seat to our kids and how do we balance doing all the things of being a mom, working and being a wife and a daughter and, you know, having a relationship with Jesus while having a rooted marriage? That's such a, 
a good question. But before I ask that question, I'm going to ask you, what does the word rooted mean to you? Yeah, great question. When I talk about the rooted working mom, we're really talking about having a solid foundation in Jesus, which allows us to have a fruitful life in all areas in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with our husband, in our relationship with our kids. So that way, all of those very important, meaningful relationships can withstand all the craziness of life, the busyness, the distractions, the spiritual warfare that that we often are attacked with, all the things that the enemy does to us, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, that we are so rooted and grounded in Jesus that it's not going to take us out. And so that is to me what being rooted and being a rooted working mom is all about. I love that because it reminds me of the scripture where Jesus talks about throwing the seed and some of the seed felt on fell on hard soil and some of the seed fell among the thorns and some of the seed fell on soft fertile ground and often I find myself praying that my heart be soft fertile ground so that God's word can really take root so I think that's beautiful and I wanted to make sure that your listeners heard that that this is what this podcast is trying to do for them. And I would say in terms of keeping a a rooted marriage, one thing, the most important thing that I say is as important as our jobs are as moms, right? We are raising kingdom builders, hopefully, right? Like hopefully we're going to teach them about God and they won't stray from it. And they might. I have a teenager, right? Like I can't, as much as I, I want my teenager to love Jesus, I, I can't force her to love Jesus, right? Like that is something she has experienced on her own, you know, and I watch how they are when they're little and as they start to grow and that that's, it's a journey, right? To watch. But one thing that I've always said, and I've come from a product of divorce, which was one of the reasons why I was so devastated when I thought I might be in the midst of a divorce was that the way my parents do it now, the way my, my mom and stepfather do it is they're like, our, their marriage is more important than the children. And that was like, what? You know, as a child hearing that I was upset and it didn't make sense to me, but I think about it now. And quite frankly, it is. Like these kids are important. The, the babies that you're raising, it's so important and you want to love them and 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 give them the absolute best that you can. And, and you're not going to be perfect at it and we're all going to make mistakes at it and we're going to do our best and hopefully you're going to do better than the generations before you. But God's word says those kids, they're going to grow up and they're going to leave your house and you're going to be left with your husband. And so if you think about, do I want to grow old with him? When my kids are out of the house, am I going to be able to enjoy him in the same way? I mean, we all get married under different circumstances. Some people get married really young. Some people don't really ever get the chance to enjoy their husband before they have children. Some people get married because they got pregnant. Like there's all kinds of reasons why we get married. But like in the end, you've got a whole lifetime. I mean, you have those kids for 18, 20, you know, maybe a little over 20 years. But that's not very long in comparison to the rest of your life. And I think about that like, man, I want to grow old with my husband. Like, I want to enjoy him when they leave. 
And if I don't hold on to that, then we're not going to be friends. I, I hear other women, you know, talk about, I've, I've heard actually several women talk about like, oh yeah, they're just with him for the kids. Like, and when the kids leave, they're done. And I'm like, what? But you can start all over when your kids leave and like and be alone and, and not have this person that you've built a life with, like besides the fact that divorce is expensive, like you've invested so much time with them. And so I, I really bring it back to when I, think about my relationship, I think about it from that perspective. And it really helps me to, to make it a priority because so often we forget to make our marriages a priority and being close to him and having, you know, whether it's date night or just being friends, you know, enjoying each other's company, we make that a priority. And I think that has what has helped our marriage tremendously because we're better parents for it. You know, we're, we're better when we're in a good mood. We're better when we love each other. We're better when we enjoy each other's company. But when he's cranky and I'm cranky and everybody's walking around with a face, it's no fun for anybody at home, not us or the kids. So that, that would be, I think, the first thing. And I always say that, number one, as a married couple, our job is to get each other to heaven. Like that's the number one goal, right? Like Jesus brought my husband, Anthony to me. So that way I can help him get to heaven and he can help me get to heaven. That's the ultimate goal here is we want to spend eternity with Jesus. And and so kind of keeping that perspective of, okay, is what I'm doing, the actions, the words that I'm saying, the way I'm treating him, the time I'm giving him, is it helping us in that respect? And then also there are days that love is is not a feeling, but it's a choice that you make to do to somebody. Like you give out that love to somebody and it's a intentional choice, regardless of what's happening. Obviously, if you're in a situation of abuse, that's a whole nother topic. And and we're, and that's not what we're talking about today, right? If you're in a healthy relationship, going through kind of day-to-day things that choosing to love each other on a day-to-day basis, even maybe hour to hour basis is what's going to, to keep your marriage thriving because you're not always going to feel like it. Yeah. I mean, I would say even, even if you're in an unhealthy relationship, as long as it's not a place where you have to get yourself safe, So I agree. I say that all the time to my listeners and my clients, but a lot of us, a lot of my listeners are in unhealthy relationships and when it's healthy and it's and the uh, little disagreements are few and far between, it's much easier. But when you're in the type of relationship where every day feels like a disagreement, every day feels like a bad day, it becomes even tougher. And I like what you said about it being choice, right? Like love is a verb, and it's something that we have to we have to sh- actively try to do. God loves us actively. We should love our spouse actively. And when you talk about helping my spouse get to heaven, I think having had a spouse who's an unbeliever or was an unbeliever, that can be a really difficult thing to wrestle with. And so what I say or what I like to help people to understand is, I can bring heaven to him. I can bring Jesus to him with my actions, with my words, and he can choose to believe it or not. It's God's job, right? Like God will reveal himself to him. God will soften or harden his heart. I can't ever because I used to try. And it was one of the things that led to 
our separation. I used to try. I used to try to be his Holy Spirit. I used to try to force him to go to church. I used to try to let him know, you know, I would be, you know, let him know he should do this and he should do that and he should not do this and he should not do that. And that's one of the things that causes problems in marriages because as wives, we feel like, well, we're just trying to help. We're just trying to make him better. It's not our job to make him better in those ways. And what I found, which was really transformational, was by living out the gospel with my actions more so than my words was more effective. I want to say a hundred times more effective than me ever saying anything, giving him a Bible. You know how many Bibles I gave him? How many Bible studies I offered him? How many? So many, you know, how many like small groups I try to get him to join it. None of it ever worked, but bringing Jesus to him, and showing him that even in the midst of the hardships that we were going through, I could still love him. I could still be kind to him. I could still show him grace and I could still show him respect, even though I didn't think he deserved any of it because that's what Jesus would have done. That was like, wow. And he said, it wasn't just me, but my family. Like, wow, I didn't, why are you doing this? Why are you behaving this way? That's really what just bringing heaven down to him was about. Yeah, so good. And you could also apply that to your kids. Yes. You, you have a teenager. I have a teenager. You have a girl, I have a boy, but you know how crazy teenage years mm-hmm. are. It's the same concept of your job is to bring Jesus to them. And then God's job is to encounter them on his perfect timing. Yeah, I love that. And speaking of kids, how can a working mom in her day-to-day the busyness, the chaos of motherhood, working and being a mom. How do we keep our marriages thriving? What are ways that we can connect with our husband throughout Mm -hmm. the day, keep our marriages thriving when we don't have hours and hours to hang out with, to go to the movies every week, to do all the things we wish we did? Well, to start with, number one, I would say is remembering, you know, like I had talked about before, remembering that your husband's going to be there when the kids are out of the house. That's one. Two, one of the things I say always is that how you treat each other is an example for your son and your daughter. I have one son and one daughter. So how he treats me and how I treat him is an example to my children of A, how how my daughter should expect to be treated as a woman and B, how my son should expect to be treated. So when I think about my husband does something that might piss me off. And I think about what I might want to say that maybe is not so nice. If you think about like, how would you feel if someone spoke to your son that way? Like all of a sudden it changes your perspective because I am letting him know it is okay when you get married for your wife to speak to you this way. If I do that, if I show him that, if I disrespect his father in front of him, if I'm, you know, rude and condescending, like that, that is being an example for your children. And so, to, but at the same time, while you're trying to be a good example for your children, you're also loving your spouse well. So by doing that, by always keeping in the back of my mind, like, would I want somebody to talk to my child that way? You know, would I want, you know, and I tell him, like, would you want your daughter to have her husband talk to her that way or treat her that way? Like, if we do that, then we're honoring, not only honoring our husbands and our spouses, then we're at the same time being a good example to our children. So I think that would be um, number two is like huge because it's easy. Everybody will say, go out on date nights and do all that. 
but sometimes and and I'm that was that for me that's number three but even before you get to date night you have to like each other enough to want to go out together because there's been times where my husband and I have gone on like getaways together and fought and been angry and and unhappy together and that's no fun so you're not doing yourselves any favors by just planning a, a date night and spending money every week or once a month or however often that you can make it happen if you don't like each other. So I think that's the first part is speaking to each other and treating each other the way that A, you would want to be treated because that's what God's word says. But be also like act as if you like him. And even if you don't like him right now, pretend like just act as if and it will start to come around. So that was two. And then three, I would say, yes, date each other, but not in more so than the like date nights. I think it's just prioritizing the time together because especially in COVID or, or post COVID or whatever finances. I mean, I remember we, we would look at each other and be like, oh my gosh, it costs like $200 to go to the movies these days. Because by the time you spent, you know, you pay for a babysitter, you pay for the movie, you go out to dinner. Like it's so expensive. Like who could do that? I can't do that every week, you know? And it just, it can become very expensive. So we would figure out other ways that we can enjoy each other's time. And sure, we'll have day nights outside the house. But there's other times where I'll tell the kids, like, it's mommy, daddy time. Like, no, no, no. It's mommy, daddy time. Saturday night, mommy, daddy time. It's late. It's 9.30. Go to bed. Or, you know, my daughter was 13. Like, she's not in bed at 9.30. Like, I love you, but bye. Like, I'm closing my door. It's our time because that way we get to spend time together doing things that we enjoy. So whether it's watching a movie or we've like put our favorite DJ on, make some cocktails and have a dance party in our bedroom, which is free. Or our favorite thing is every so often we go away together, which is not free. So we don't do that <laughs> not often, but like you come back refreshed from those trips. So whatever it is you can do to prioritize that time for each other. And I think when our marriage was in a bad place, that was one of the things that we never did. Like all these things I'm saying, do, we were doing the opposite. We spent every, all of our time and energy focused around my daughter or work or whatever. We didn't spend time with each other. We didn't talk to each other in a way that was edifying or in a way that was a, a good example for my daughter. And we certainly didn't make time to date each other. And if we did, it was miserable because we didn't like each other enough to be out on that date. So it was like, why spend this money to go out on a date just to tell people we went on date night if we're going to sit here and fight all day? And that's what our marriage looked like before. But now it's like, I look forward to it. You know, even if, even if we're fighting and we, you know, and again, we still fight, but those fights used to last weeks. We would go weeks without speaking, barely speaking to each other. And now if it lasts 24 hours, that's a long time. Such a big shift. You're planting seeds along the way in your day by honoring him, by speaking life into him. Oftentimes we will communicate in such a way or speak to others that's more sensitive, that maybe is nicer, that's more polished. 
than we do to the people we love the most. Something's wrong there, right? We we should never be treating other people better than we treat the people in our four walls of our home. Like Mm -hmm. it should start there. And then from there, we're consistent in our daily lives at work with the people that we might be leading or supervising or working with. Um, So I think that has been one little shift for me. It's like, don't treat other people better than, than you do the people that you truly love. I think we do that because we're comfortable. Like we feel like, oh, he's not going anywhere. And so they get the brunt of your, they get the angry, you, the not so polished and not so pretty you, you know? So totally, totally agree with that. And cut. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of this needed, raw and real conversation that many of us can relate to along with how to have a rooted marriage, thriving in Christ. I want to invite you back to listen to the rest of the conversation next week. We dig into an area that, honestly, if I'm being truly honest, I'm guilty of it, and I know it hurts my marriage, and I'm guessing it might be impacting yours as well. Be sure to subscribe also to the show so that you don't miss it. If you love this episode, go tag me on your Instagram stories. My handle is at Cynthia.p.castro. And also come over to our Facebook Mamahood. It's Rooted Working Mom Community. I'll drop the direct link below in the show notes and share your favorite takeaway. What I'd love to hear what your favorite takeaway is. And if you'd like to connect with Beatrice, you can find her on Instagram at the Grace Field Wife. And her website is Beatrice Vargas, that's B-E-A-T-R-I-Z-V-A-R-G-A-S.com. And then you can also check out her podcast. It's called The Grace Field Wife. I'm just so blessed to spend today with you. I'll see you back here soon. Love, before you go, if you enjoyed today's episode, it made you laugh or inspired you in some way, I'd be so thankful if you took a quick minute to share it with another working mom and leave me a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way you can thank me and hearing from you fills my heart with so much joy. I'd also love to connect with you over on my Facebook community, The Rooted Working Mom. Come join us praying for miracles and victories for you. See you next time.